Chapter 13. Alex Mistake The crowd continued to celebrate. The South team held Wraith above their heads. Katie jumped for joy and Alec and Jane danced in a circle. It's a draw, said John Greaves. Slowly, the crowd and teams began to realise what had happened. For the first time in a hundred seasons, both team had drawn and the South team had not lost. For a while, both sets of spectators and players pondered on its meaning. Neither team had won or lost. There would be no presentation of the cup, but something unprecedented had happened. The South team were no longer losers. The two teams lined up to face and thank the crowd, who were in great spirits, because for the first time they had watched a competitive match. Both teams paraded to the centre of the stadium to raise the winner's cup. Both captains, North and South, lifted the cup together and received a jubilant applause. The whole stadium became a large interwoven party and the pitch became a dance floor. Whilst being mobbed by the celebrating crowd, both teams retired back to the edge of the pitch to the speeches and awards tent. Rows of seats facing a main stage filled the tent. The rows of seats were separated by aisle. The North team sat to the left and South to the right. On the stage there was a long table with a white silk cloth draped over it. Sat at the table facing the crowd were several elderly gentlemen and their partners eagerly buttering their complimentary buns. John Greaves asked Katie to join him on the main stage. Katie felt very nervous to stand above the rest in front of so many faces, but she agreed. Next to John and Katie was the North team manager and oddly, the smallest bureaucrat. Katie blushed. She could feel so many eyes on her. Some spectators filled any remaining spaces to watch the awards. This piled even more pressure onto Katie. Lynx, sitting in the front row, felt Katie's unease and whispered, Katie, it's all right. This is your moment. Enjoy it, babe. Hey, Lynx, who's playing music for the party? said Katie, trying to distract her nerves. It's on autoplay. Everyone's so drunk they won't even notice. Katie felt reassured that her friends were supporting her. She glanced over the crowd. The smell of mud, grass and sweat filled the room. Her players, perched on their seats, showed no signs of fatigue. They were too excited. She then looked to her right and saw the North team slumped in their chairs. She caught the eyes of several North players intensely looking at her, but one particularly caught her attention. He sat in the front row, leaning back, hanging one arm over the back, and the other he used to brush back his long, dark, wavy hair. He held a constant, deep stare at her. When her eyes met his, they softened, and he gave a cheeky smile. She ran her eyes over his strong arms and wide shoulders. His smile and carpeted, stubble-chiselled jaw made her weak. The captivating man was the captain, who had winked earlier. She battled to avert his gaze, so he looked down and thought, Damn, I never allow myself to submit. Looking up again, she asserted herself by blowing a kiss to her South team players. An elderly ex-player who played over a hundred seasons ago introduced both managers. Suffering from shock, the North team's manager's speech was short and abrupt. John Greaves, on the other hand, adjusted the microphone and said, Well, I'm not sure what to say. We drew, which hasn't been done in a hundred seasons. We didn't lose, so I guess it's a win for us. What I can't understand is how a professional team lose to a bunch of amateurs. Some of them could be their dads. I started off calling my team lame goats, but now with some work, they could be good mules. But as for the North team, here's an observation of mine. In the wild, there are predators and prey. We as humans have conquered our natural predators. 
but some people still act like prey. Prey don't look when crossing the road. They climb mountains just in summer clothes, and some get easily led by wrongans. I call these people pigeons, because pigeons are easily caught by cats. And today, North Team, you were a flock of fat pigeons, caught by 15 hungry cats. John Greaves handed the microphone to Katie and said, Here you go, love. And he ampled off the stage, leaving a very awkward silence for Katie to fill. Katie felt the audience's eyes on her. White mist descended in her mind. She was stuck for words. A wolf whistle came from the back of the tent, which sparked a chain reaction for many others to copy. Katie felt a spark of anger. She didn't want to be objectified. She had a brain. The anger blocked her fear, and she channeled it into the microphone. I would like to say thank you to the North team for being such great opponents. The game was thrilling to watch because it was competitive. Both teams excited the crowd and gave both sets of supporters a reason to celebrate. The crowd roared in agreement. When they settled, she continued, This was my first time as an assistant coach and I've been fully accepted and given respect. I respect you all for your hard work and dedication to the sport. The North team, you have an immense amount of skill and talent and South team had to step up to your level. The draw for you today feels like a defeat, but I think you have never played as well, considering your last 100 games have been walkovers. I expect having learnt from your mistakes, next season you will come back stronger, and we in turn will have step up again. Sport is for everyone to play, amateur or professional, young or old. A wise man once told me that sport shows the inner workings of a person, and that is priceless because every time the sun rises, we all hope to beat our personal best. Katie finished her speech to a standing ovation, pink and blue jerseys decorated all she could see. The elderly ex-player walked back to the microphone. He had a strong presence and stood straight and proud. Age had not hindered his mobility. His core strength held his posture like a tight belt. He held the microphone and said, When I made my debut for the South, I was their youngest ever player. We lost that season, but we learnt from it. The next season we won, and I scored 37 tries. Once you turn your back on defeat, winning is waiting just around the corner. For the winners, I have 10 tickets to the final event. As it's a draw, I'll split them 50-50. It's been made known to me that Katie, as a token of their appreciation for your hard work, your team would like to give you their tickets. Hear, hear, said the South team players. Katie was overjoyed. Wraith, who was reclothed in his tunic, nodded in agreement. For him, the effort had proved worthwhile. Lynx, like a child who'd been surprised with a trip to Legoland, wriggled around in his seat. Jane fluttered over to Wraith and gave him a little high five. Everyone was visibly pleased. Except for Alec, who was unusually silent. Wanting to celebrate with all her friends, Katie noticed Alec and knew something was up. "'What's wrong, Alec?' Katie asked. I thought it was a dead cert, mumbled Alec. What was? Alec continued to mumble. He was oblivious to Katie's questions. Sensing that Alec was in distress, she knelt down to his eye level, and to soothe him, she stroked his trembling hand. Alec, I really want to know what's bothering you. After a few more mumbles, he answered, I've bet your time, Katie. When Wraith was asked to play, he entrusted it to me. Who did you bet on? Katie said in a schoolteacher's tone. She felt like she was talking to a child. 
I walked past the betting stand and I noticed the odds three to one. I couldn't believe it. I felt a surge of adrenaline. It was exciting. Fireworks triggered in my head and I felt by something other than me. It was a sure thing. Who did you bet on? They won a hundred seasons in a row. Who wouldn't bet on them with those odds? Sniffled Alec. Oh, Alec. There was a long pause. Katie was cross, but she understood that Alec knew he'd been foolish. Wraith, who had heard the sniffling, leered down towards him and said, There is no time. Show me where you bet the timer. We must retrieve it. Led by a distraught Alec, the group banded together and stormed through the crowd. He led them to a small wooden box stand at the edge of the pitch and said, There it is. Phew, I'm so glad it's still open. Alec jogged up to the stand and greeted the bookie, who was packing up his stall, and said, Johnny, I'm so glad you're still here. Johnny didn't look up from packing his winnings box. I can't talk. I've got to leave. I'm late. It's all right. This won't take long. I need the timer back. Let's look at your ticket. Alec passed him a crumpled ticket. Yep, it says North team to win. Who would have thought it would be a draw? This has been my most profitable season yet. Everyone has lost, except for me, of course. Yeah, Johnny, about that. I need to cash in a favour. I shouldn't have bet that time. That's what they all say. Sorry, mate. But Johnny, you're a mate. It's business, and you're an unlucky punter. Sorry. Alec was in shock. He'd lost Katie's time. Wraith had enough of listening to Alec's gambler's remorse and commanded, Sir, hand me the timer, now! Yep, losing punters say that too. That's why I have them. And he pointed to two large furry grizzly bears with bald heads and fat necks. Wraith smiled and said, Nice pets. I prefer wrestling polar bears myself. Katie could tell Wraith wasn't going to be diplomatic and decided to intervene. Johnny... We have a very important quest. The time you have is my time, and without it, the quest won't succeed. That's a sad story, but I've heard that too. The bears, which stood behind the wooden stall, began to snarl. Lynx whispered to Katie, I can feel he's after something, maybe a trade. Let me think. I think I can get on his level. Lynx leaned on the stall and said, Are you going to the acid house tent later? Yeah. Are you a fan? Mate, I can't get enough of DJ Pierre and Adonis. Lynx and Johnny went off into a verbal maze of acid house. Katie and the others listened like tourists in a foreign country, where only the tour guide knew the native tongue. After what seemed to be a lifetime, Johnny began to say what the others could now decipher. Mate, you seem like a sound guy. I'm going to give you back the timer. It's crazy, because this is now the store's revenue. Everybody was breaking with reframed joy, reframed because the deal wasn't done yet. Let me go and get it. It's out the back. Johnny left his stall and disappeared into a locked wooden shed behind. How did you know he likes Acid House? said Katie. I could feel the yellow-faced smile in his heart. You can always tell him they're a rare breed now. Johnny returned wearing a white t-shirt with a yellow smiley face on. He pushed out his chest and said, Here you go and he threw a t-shirt to Lynx. I have a spare. Awesome, said Lynx. He instantly whipped it on and stood side by side with Johnny and said, Check us out. And this is for you, love. Johnny extended the timer out for Katie and purposefully away from Wraith. Ah-ah, not so fast.
a voice said from behind Katie's group. It spoke again. That is taxable revenue. The smallest and tallest bureaucrats circled around the surprised group. The tallest peered over the roof of the stall to inspect what was behind. The smallest was very pleased with himself and faced the group to give a performance. It's my time. It can't be taxed, said Katie crossly. It's surprising what can be, and this timer is untaxed revenue, said the smallest. Johnny looked very familiar with the bureaucrats and said to the tallest, It's all above board. You inspected me last season. Well, you can never be too thorough. Johnny scratched his head. He wanted to give Katie's timer back, but couldn't. I want to trade my time back, said Katie. You may trade it back. It'll have to match the revenue of your timer. We have tickets to the finale, said Katie, sadly. How many? Three. Johnny looked to the bureaucrats for approval. I think five should be suffice, said the smallest. The bureaucrats knew how many tickets Katie held because they too were present at the awards tent. Katie turned to look for advice from both Lynx and Wraith. They both reluctantly nodded in agreement. Katie begrudgingly handed over their hard-won tickets. The smallest bureaucrat took two tickets from the five in Johnny's hands and said, Forty percent is due. Tallest took the other three and said, This will meet last season's unpaid revenue. That's too much, said Johnny. If that's so, you may claim a rebate next season. That's after we've assessed your books. I can't believe this has happened, Alex said with his head in his hands. Tears streamed down his cheeks. He was devastated with what he'd done. A fool and his time are soon parted, chirped the smallest bureaucrat. Katie had heard a similar phrase before. Her dad once told her, a fool and his money are soon parted. She corrected him by saying, her. Katie scrunched up her face. She was furious with the bureaucrats and said, I don't know why you want the tickets. You wouldn't know how to enjoy it. They're not for us. They belong to the land. The bureaucrats turned their backs to walk away. The tallest patted the smallest on top of his bowler hat, causing the smallest to react sharply and say, You know I don't like that. Sorry, but well done you. Both bureaucrats disappeared into the crowd of rugby revellers.